Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Today, I want to minister just for a brief moment on this Palm Sunday. And the title of my message is, We're Either For Him or Against Him. Oh, help me somebody. We're either for him or against him. Sobering, sobering statement. It makes all of us pause for a moment and evaluate ourselves and say and come to some serious, truthful conclusion. Am I really for him? When, when you look at my life, And the things that I do and the things that I say, does it really reflect that I am for him? Or is it just lip service because when you look at my life, it is clear that I'm against him. There's no middle ground. And so today, I'm going to afford all of us from the pulpit to the door. I'm going to afford all of us an opportunity to make a decision today. And that decision is, are you going to be for him, Jesus Christ, or are you going to be against him? There's, 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 there's no, well, somebody may say, well, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just not going to choose. Not choosing, you have chosen. Not choosing, you have chosen. Because Jesus said, you're either for me or you are, you are against me. If I'll just go ahead real quick, I don't, uh, I don't want to be long today, if, if at all possible. If you'll just put up my first nugget point that I want to make, Let, let's say it together. When we accept Jesus Christ, instead of turning him away, and I pray today, if you're lost today, if you don't know Jesus today, if you are a backslider today, Today, I I plead with you when Jesus, when he knocks on your door today, don't, don't turn him, don't turn him away. When we accept Jesus Christ instead of turning him away, we discover what it is to be saved. Nugget number two, please. I don't need to elaborate on this much at all because we're living in a day and a time now where everybody is clear it takes courage to follow Jesus. I mean, you can be persecuted uh, for for following Jesus. In in some places, you can lose your job. And we don't experience that much here in this country. But there are other countries today. There are countries that if you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, your family will disown you. They will kill you for accepting Jesus. We don't know that kind of pressure yet, but we're heading there. We don't know that kind of pressure in this country that to receive Jesus could cost you your life. But we're certainly heading in that direction. It's the truth that I'm speaking to you. Nugget number three, and I think I'll just leave it at that point. Nugget number three. Ready? Read. No servant 
can serve two masters. Say it again. No servant. Come on. Two masters. Say it one more time. Come on, saints of God. You're listening all around the world. Say it out loud. No servant can serve. Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee. My goodness. You can't, uh, you can't serve two masters. The, the nugget says that you can't serve both of them. You, you can't serve God and the world. And we'll, we'll later discover where Jesus talks about this. He said you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon is money or the world system. And Jesus said you can't serve both of them. You'll love the one and hate the other. You'll serve the one and deny the other. For no man can serve two masters. Oh my, isn't this good? Now having said that, let's go to the book of Philippians. On this Palm Sunday. Philippians chapter, chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And let's read verse 21. Philippians 1, verse 21. This is, this passage of scripture is just, uh, it's, it's just heavy. Look, look, look what Paul says. And this, this book was, uh, the, the church at Philippi was the first church that Apostle Paul, that he established in Macedonia. And this book is written to the saints, well, it's really got a twofold meaning to the book, uh, the book of Philippians. But one part of it, Paul is writing them, thanking them for how they supported him in his ministry. But he is also taking the liberties at this moment of addressing the church in Kansas City. I mean, the church in Philippi. He's taking the liberties to deal with disunity. Because some of the members in the church were disgruntled and they were causing division. And Paul was addressing this because he knew the church would never be able to do what it is assigned to do if there's the division amongst the believers. No different than in your marriage, in your family, or in your house, or on your job, or your church, or any group. If you have division, it's hard to go forward and accomplish whatever the mandate is. And so if that be the case, then we know the number one culprit in bringing in and instituting division has to be the enemy because division divides. Oh, hallelujah. But unity brings us together. Can somebody say amen? Look at this on verse 21. Look what Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ. Mm. And for me to die is gain. He is saying in essence that I will gain something when I die. But he says, if I live, I'm going to live for Christ. And when I die, I'm going to gain more of him. 
Jesus. What is he saying? He says, for me to live in this life, he says, I'm going to live for Jesus. But for me to die is to be in his presence. And to be in his presence is a gain. So now you can see where death doesn't put fear in the heart of Paul. In a sense, death becomes attractive. Because when I die, I'm going to be with him. Good God of mercy. And so Paul says, for me to live is Christ. And so I did a personal examination when I was looking at this verse at about one or two this morning. And I thought to myself, for me to live, is it Christ? 24-7? And to die, would it be my gain? Would I have the same testimony as Apostle Paul? We know this, that when we accept him, the Lord Jesus, instead of turning away from him, we discover what it is to be saved. And I want to thank God today that he has already established in my soul a relationship with him because there is so much deception that is going on in the world today and even in the church. There are things that are happening in the church today. I want to thank God that he anchored my soul in the things of God before I was able to see the mess that is going on and the division that is going on and the hatred that is going on and the bigotry that is going on and the racism that is going on in the church. It is though these times in which we're living is though heaven has snatched back the covers off of everything of the church and have shown our nakedness. And so the world's in trouble because we got issues in the church. And we'll never be able to help the world like God has ordained us to help the world until we get this mess straightened out in the church. You can't be a Christian, not a real Christian, and not have love in your heart. For by this shall the world know that you belong to Jesus. It's because you have love for one another. Not hatred, love. Not bigotry, love. Not division, love. The love of God is to be shed abroad through us by the Holy Spirit of God. So the word of God is telling us that no matter what you were like before you got saved, when Jesus comes in, he deposits himself and himself is love for God is love. It's a sign to all of us that there's been a transformation on the inside of us. Why? Because now we can experience loving people that we didn't love yesterday. We can be kind to people who we wouldn't have given a moment to yesterday. Are you listening to me? This is a sign that something has happened to us. So we can't love people and hate them at the same time. As a Christian, we can't not love people because or don't like people because of the color of their skin or the texture of their hair. When we are born again, we set that foolishness aside. Why? Because the love of God has been birthed in our hearts. 
And in the body of Christ, there's neither black nor white nor brown nor yellow nor straight hair or long hair or bald head or full of hair. It's just the body of Christ. And once the church just start acting like one, then the world will see a model, an example, and will desire to walk in this love. I love you because you're my brother. I love you because we're in the same family. I love you because my heavenly father is your heavenly father. I love you because my savior, Jesus the Christ, is your savior. And his blood washed all of us clean. If it had not been for the blood of Jesus, we all would be lost. And now that we have been privileged to be in the family of God, how can we allow hatred in our hearts and say Jesus the next moment? How can we allow bigotry in our hearts and say Jesus the next moment? Maybe in reality, Paul was saying, the reason that they can conduct themselves in that way is because they don't have relationship with Jesus. They just have religion. Because relationship with Jesus will literally change your life. Can somebody say amen to this truth? In the original, in verse 21, Paul, the, the original writing says, for me to live Christ. For me, Paul says, for me to live Christ, to die gain. Oh, my goodness. He says, for me to live Christ, for me to die gain. That's why as believers, we don't, we don't uh, go into bereavement like the world does when a loved one goes on to, to the other side being in Christ. Why? Because the Bible says for a believer to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Gain. That's what Paul was saying. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And Paul was saying to be present with the Lord is gain. It's not a loss. Hallelujah to Jesus. It's not a loss. It's a gain. Is this helping anybody at all? Paul says for me to live Christ and to die gain. I wish I could say and it be a total truth that I'm there. Paul says for me to live Christ. That means he has taken account of everything. And he has looked at his education. He has looked at his accomplishments. He, he's looked at his influence. He's looked at all of the people he's rubbed shoulders with in high places. And Paul looked at it all. He said, and I call it all dung that I might gain the excellency of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And this great man who received this great revelation from God, he's talking to the church at Philippi that he has established, and he says, he says, for me to live is Christ. That means he's not after money. He's not after position. So that means he's not tempted to lie to get a better position. He's not, he's not tempted to suck up or butter up to somebody because he's wanting them to give him something. Uh, he, he's not going to join somebody's church and hoping that the preacher at the church would see him and call him to the platform and let him preach. He's not looking for none of that. He says, for me to live is Christ. All I want is Christ. 
He said, and I'm not afraid to die. Why? Because to die is gain. Oh, my goodness. When a person has that kind of revelation, what can you do to threaten them? What can you do to tempt them? When they've already made the decisions for me to live, if I live, it's going to be Jesus. And when I die, I'm going to be in his presence. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm not there yet totally and completely as I've stated. I wish I could say it. But, uh, but I'm on my way. Each and every day I'm pressing. It's my goal to get to this place where Paul is talking about here. For me to live is Christ. And for me to die is gain. Now don't throw sticks at me. I'm just being honest because I know me. And I know the places where I stumbled. And I know places where I will still stumble if the Lord don't help me. But I want you to know that I'm pressing. That I'm on the right road. That I'm heading there. And it is my goal to have this same testimony. That no matter what comes, no matter what goes, for me to live is Christ. For me to die, help me somebody, it is gain. And as long as we keep our focus on Jesus Christ and make him the center of our lives, we will arrive at the right destination. And that's where I am now. I know as long as I keep my focus on Jesus, and as long as I keep Jesus to Christ, as I keep him the center of my life. Because there's a lot of things that will try to pull you away. A lot of things, things that will try to pull you away. But if I'll make a decision and be determined in my soul that I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus. I'm going to make him the center of my life. That in my life's journey when I get to the end, I will arrive at my personal destination that God predestined from the time I came into this earth. And it will be the same with you. Jesus Christ, he saves us. Not only does Jesus Christ save us, Jesus Christ, he heals us. And Jesus Christ alone, he makes us whole. Are you listening to me today? This world today, everybody's they're paying billions, they're passing uh, laws and they're signing documents of trillions of dollars. They're thinking that paying money will answer the problems in this world. And I'm not against, you know, them giving money to this uh, entity or this organization, but we can give all the money in the world to our problems and our problems are still not going to go away. The only way the world is going to experience real peace is in Jesus Christ. And outside of Jesus Christ, there is no peace. And because men have not received him and women have not received him and made him the focus of their lives and the center of their lives, they're fighting each other. It is only when we're right with Jesus that I don't want your stuff. When I'm right with Jesus, I know the same God who blessed you to get it can open a way for me to get it. And he can bless me to get it and you can have yours and I can have mine. The only way I cannot be jealous of what you have and envious of what you got, I have to keep my eyes and my life focused on Jesus. If I don't stay focused on Jesus, I get jealous. If I don't keep focused on Jesus, I'll become envious. If I don't keep Focus on Jesus. I'll become a backbiter and a gossiper. I'll become a divider. I'll become a hater. 
But if I keep my eyes focused on Jesus and make him the center of my life, then I know whatever he has planned for me in, in its appointed time, it will manifest in my life. And it's only when I'm in right relationship with Jesus that I'm not concerned about what you got. I'm not jealous about what you have. I'm not jealous or envious about what you're doing. Because I don't want to do what you're doing. Why? Because I'm focused on him. He's the center of my life. And like Apostle Paul, all I want to do is please him. Is this your testimony today? But I want you to know in 2021, it takes courage to follow Jesus. And I'm going to say some strong things here in a moment. And you're going to think maybe I'm talking out of my head because we haven't experienced it yet in this country. But it's coming. But, but one thing we do know is that it seems as though the more you get on fire for Jesus, the more people will leave you alone. Isn't it amazing? The more you talk about Jesus, the smaller your audience gets. Are you listening to me? It takes courage to follow Jesus. Why? Because when you receive Jesus into your life, you run the risk of losing family members. And when you get on fire for him and you become, as Pastor Stanley said, faithfully dedicated to him, you'll have family members and friends and co-workers who will try to convince you it doesn't take all of that. We don't have to talk about Jesus all the time. We don't have to live right all the time. They will try to make you feel like you are indifferent, obsolete, have a disease, out of touch. If your total focus is on Jesus and he's the center of your life, people on the job, isn't it amazing? On your job, you can talk about everybody and everything but Jesus. You only get reported in the office when you're out there on the floor talking about Jesus Christ. Oh, my. So I, I'll say again, to follow Jesus, it, it takes a lot of courage. Let's, let's close this out with Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, so that I can clear up my last nugget. Luke. Chapter 16. I want you to see this. You're either for him or you're against him. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 13. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. Now, in my Bible, it's in the red. This is saying that Jesus is actually speaking here. Look what he said. Look what Jesus said. He says, no servant can serve two masters. Hmm. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal, faithful to the one and despise the other. And look at the last part of this verse. Look what Jesus says. 
He says, you cannot. Jesus said, you cannot what? You, you can't. Whatever he's getting ready to say next, you can't do this. Jesus said, you cannot. You cannot what? Whatever he's getting ready to say next, he's saying, you can't do this. And, and he has a right to say what we can't do because he know us. He know us because he made us. And he said, listen, you can't do this. What is it you can't do? You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. No, no. He didn't say you couldn't have money. He said you can't serve it. You see, and you'll always know when you're serving money because you'll put God on hold to get more of it. You'll sacrifice your relationship with Jesus the Christ because you're after mammon, you're after money. And see, you shouldn't be after money. Money should be after you. But the only way for money to be after you, you have to be after Christ. Jesus. But you think you have to be after money, and then after you get the money, you'll be after Christ. That's the deception, because you're never going to have enough money to become satisfied, to turn your heart to say, now I want Christ. No, you have to pursue Christ. And as a result of you pursuing Christ, Jesus to Christ will open doors of opportunity for you to have money. Because you can't serve both of them. You'll always know when you're serving money because if you don't have it, it affects your attitude. You're only really happy and joyful if you got money. No, no, no. If I got Jesus, I got everything I need to get over. I got everything that I need to make it. And Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Isn't this true? Jesus said, you can't serve. You can't serve both of them. Both of them. And so today, the title of my message is for him. Or against him. Jesus just said in this passage of scripture that you can't serve God and the world system. And so today, you and I on this Palm Sunday, we're going to have to make a choice, a decision. Palm Sunday. This is an interesting time in Christendom when we celebrate Palm Sunday. It also is a reflection to us of how quick people can change on you. Palm Sunday, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're throwing down palm branches and all of that. And it won't be long. I mean, it won't be a month. As a matter of fact, it won't be two weeks. And they're going to completely flip on him and say crucify him. But no matter what they did, he stayed faithful in his assignment. When he entered into Jerusalem, He was heading to Golgotha's hill to pay the price for your sins and my sins. And so today, you're either for him or you're against him. And so today, I offer to you what the word of God tells me to offer you is to present before you life. And that life is only in Christ. The word of God says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve him? Jesus, or are you going to be against him? It is my sincere prayer 
that today that the Holy Spirit of God would help someone who is watching this ministry today. It is my sincere prayer that the Spirit of God would move in your house and that you would welcome Jesus Christ into your hearts this Palm Sunday. This is my prayer on this Palm Sunday that the Spirit of God would move in somebody's life right now that the Holy Spirit would touch somebody's heart right now and soften their hearts to where they will come to this place where before they've been rejecting him and denying him. But today, they would open their hearts on Palm Sunday and welcome Jesus Christ into their lives. Is, is that you today? Will you, will you reject him today or will you receive him today? And this is my prayer. God, I pray today. Open their eyes. Open their hearts. Help them to see. I command the blinders, the, the scales to fall off of their eyes. As when you share this truth that I'm sharing today, when you share this very truth that I've shared today with the people all around the world, this same truth you share with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He was full of religion, but he had no relationship. But as a result of Jesus the Christ sharing the good news with Nicodemus, his religious scales fell off of his eyes and he believed upon Christ. And he changed guards. He changed armies. He changed systems. There was a paradigm shift in Nicodemus' life. And it is my sincere prayer that there will be a paradigm shift in your life right now. You've been running here and there. And I'm commanding you to stop. You've been looking to and fro. And I command you to focus. You've been hurting and in pain. And I command you to be healed. You've been disturbed and confused and I command the peace of God to visit your house right now. And all the things come and all of these things come as you reach out and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Two major issues. You must believe that the work that Jesus performed, that he did it for you and he did it for me. And you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he's not only Lord, he's Lord of all. And by faith today, I invite Jesus Christ into my life. Come on. You're either for him or you're against him. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, Join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.